First, I'll start out with Rahim. From now on, when we meet together, we're going to be talking about either a specific surah or an ayah or a passage, meaning like a group of different ayat. So we're going to start off from now on reciting that, and then we're going to go forward and just talk about it together, Charles. Okay? So, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Wal Asr, Innal Insan Lafi Khusr, Illal Ladina Amanu Aminu Salihat. وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالصَّبْرِ اللَّهُمَّ جَعَلْنَا مِنْهُمْ أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب الشرح لي صدري ويسل لي أمري وحل الوقدة من لساني يفقه قولي So today we're talking about Surah Al-Asr So far what have we talked about? We talked about the miracle of the Quran We talked about the status of the Quran We talked about Allah as our Rabb Right, And today from now on, like I mentioned before, we're going to go into certain passages, surahs, ayat, whatever parts and bits of the Qur'an that do a good job summarizing what is expected of me. So Allah spent, sent revelation fine. What does that mean about me? What does that mean about my life? And the best surah to start with in that regard is Surah Al-Asr. Surah Al-Asr, who has it memorized in here, by the way? If you can raise your hand, Surah Al-Asr memorized. Who memorized it since last time we met? I'll get you guys soon, inshallah. See, I'm going to convince you to do stuff. So, this surah is a much bigger deal than we give it credit for. I'm actually going to put it up on the screen. Should be all of it. It is a very short surah. It's three ayat. It's actually grammatically all one sentence. So, it's like Allah gave us a sentence and it just became a surah. Literally, grammatically, it's like there's not even like a period anywhere except for the very end. I even tried to make that clear here actually. It's like the, it only ends at the end of the third ayah, right? <laughs> but what's amazing about the surah, and this is from the accounts of multiple scholars, for me, I didn't collect their names. Multiple scholars actually argue that Surah Al Asid is the summary of the entire Quran. Meaning, if you understand Surah Al Asid on a deep level, the rest of the Quran is basically summarized because you understand this sentence. Yeah, what a good deal that is, by the way. That's an amazing deal. I don't have to study the whole thing. I just have to, alhamdulillah, through the mercy of Allah, understand this one sentence, not even like a surah, but really one sentence, and the whole thing is now opened up to me. One scholar went so far as to say that if this was the only thing revealed, it would have been enough for humanity. Like we didn't need anything else. If this was all like Quran, you take away literally, you cut out literally everything else and only leave this, it would have been enough. If people just thought about this by itself, nothing else is needed. Like that's the status of Surah Al-Asr, which is such a blessing for us because, is it the second or third shortest surah on the book? Who knows actually, I actually forgot. Is this shorter than Ikhlas? I think it's shorter than Ikhlas, right? So this might be the second or third, whatever, it's short. It's very, very small surah. You can count the, 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 the words on three hands. <laughs> so two hands and a foot for you guys, inshallah. But anyway, so we're going to talk about what do we get from the surah? What is the message of the surah? And I'm going to try my best to keep it like within an hour. So I don't want to use a lot of time. I want you guys to really just give you the meat of it. Yeah. And I'm telling you like this is, this is one of the first surahs that I learned maybe like, how old am I? Like 10, 12 years ago. This is one of the first surahs I got acquainted with. And I'm telling you right now, as short as it is, as, as simple as the message is, it will literally give you a lifetime to think about. Guaranteed. If you stick to these words and you keep them in your heart and you think about them often, it will give you the rest of your life worth of reflection. Guaranteed. And that's how Quran generally is, by the way. It's not just the surah. But this surah especially. 
Okay, so try to do your best to pay attention. I'll remind both you and myself, this is not just a lecture. Nothing we do at the masjid is just a lecture, especially when it's directly Quran. You understand? Quran is an enormous deal. We talked about this, whoever was there last night a little bit, that this is the, the revelation of Quran is essentially the most important thing that has ever impacted humanity. We talked yesterday, uh, yesterday, last night about literally the skies being shut down. You know, fences being built around everything above us, everything in the heavens, just, for, just so Allah can make way for this divine revelation to come and hit humanity. So it's a big deal when you spend time to learn what it says. So I remind myself first and foremost and all of you that when we sit and talk about it, that number one, we keep our minds clear, we focus as much as possible, we even sit up straight, and we actually cleanse our hearts like, Ya Allah, I just want a little bit of Qur'an today. Open up my heart that I understand this book. So I remind you and myself, obviously myself first, to open up your heart to sincerely try to get something that Allah is trying to tell you, okay? And whoever does that, then Allah opens up doors for them that you have no idea. Like, there is no reason why I should be sitting here and not one of you, Allahi. Like, the only reason that I'm sitting here is because I am, I'm trying. And a buffoon like me, when Allah sees a buffoon like, try, like me trying, He'll, you know, they, they, you, you will, your rank will be raised and raised and raised through this book and also be lowered through this book. This is a living thing that will actually affect your life. If you ignore it, Allah will lower you. And if you try to connect to it, Allah will raise you. And I've witnessed both firsthand and I'm telling you that's true. It's not just something on the shelf, it's something that will affect you immediately. And I dare you to test it. I dare you to test it. So we're going to start inshallah with a short translation. Wal-asr. Allah says, this is Allah saying, Wal-asr, I swear by time. That every individual human being is drowning in loss. Fi khusr. Fi yani like surrounded by loss. Illa alladheena amanu. Except for those who believed. Wa aminu salihat. And did the few good deeds. Wa tawasaw bil haq. And enjoined each other. And enjoined, no one uses the word enjoined. And they advise each other. They counsel each other. They give each other advice towards the truth and they advise each other towards patience or with patience now that's a short translation might be even slightly different than what I actually wrote down what we're going to do that's the message overall that's like the, the overall it's, it's really nice studying a short surah because you can like easily get that kind of eagle eye view like here's the general message of it what we're going to do is do a deep dive of these words and the, the point of that is to get whatever lessons we can so we're going to start from the very beginning and looking at the surah overall. Is this, is this surah, does this sound positive? Does this surah sound positive? No. It's not very positive. I will tell you right now, and we're going to review this as we go. Surah Al-Asid is not about achieving success. Surah Al-Asid is about not failing. You, so one way you can see this, you can say Allah is talking to us is, all of you are failing. This is a scary opening, by the way. You're all failing. By the way, insan, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Al insan is not humanity. What did I put back here? Humanity. Al insan could mean humanity, but actually, al insan, every single individual human being. If Allah said, you could say humanities and loss. Mankind in general. You know, nas means people. So every, this vast 
group of people that has who have, have ever lived or will ever live or are living right now, they're all lost. But no, he said, Al-Insan. And remember, I remind you guys, we studied this before a little bit to some degree, but Allah does not choose words willy-nilly. When he chooses a word, you have to pay attention to why that word and why not something else. Why didn't say Allah say, said, Because Allah wants you and me, I'll start with me, wants myself and you to replace the word insan with your own name. Inna shadi lafi khusr. Shad is lost. Jamal is lost. Asil is lost. We are all drowning in loss. So now this is not an us problem, it's a what problem? This surah is a me problem. I'm in loss, man. Al-insana, the individual human being. Okay, so let's start from the very beginning. Walasir, this is a really interesting word. I checked, this is the only time, I love when Allah does this, you know, because like he uses words sometimes repetitively. Like, like for example, How many times does Allah say, Dozens of times. It happens all over the book, right? But then there are some words that are only repeated one time. Like the word Ramadan. We talked about that last time. And the implications that that had for us. That now Allah will super hyper focus what to think about when he uses that word now. Like what does it mean? You got one ayah, dude. That's all you got. This is the only time Allah uses this word. And there's other words for time. There's dahin. He uses the word dahin. Yeah, like in Surah Al-Insan, first ayah, use the word dahin. But Asir, this is the time. It's the only time in the whole book that he uses this word. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Al-Asir, obviously, yes, it means time. What does Asir remind you of, by the way? Salah, Salat al-Asir. That's the middle Salah of the day. It's like towards the end of the day. Asir is not just time. Asir is time that's running out. So Allah sets the theme very early for the rest of the surah. This surah is urgent. I swear by time that you're running out of. I swear by time you don't have anymore that you're lost. So right away it's like, can you imagine by the way, like you know how the Sahaba, when they heard the Prophet recite Quran for the first time, can you imagine the fear they must have felt? Because he recited slowly, وسلم, so he said, And they're like, you know what I mean? I'm so screwed. Imagine he stops there and there's a pause. They probably froze. And then he gives the exception, except for these people that do these four things. But we're not going to get there yet. So Asid, it gives urgency. I'm running out of time. Asr, you know, for example, it's actually really, Arabi is so, such a funny language sometimes. Asr means time. What does Asir mean? It means juice. It's the same root word actually. Asara, Asir, and Asr. It's, I love the language so much for that reason. Asir is juice. How do those two things connect? It's, it's like literally time that's being squeezed. Like there's barely any drops left. Or Asr al-Thawb even, you know, like when you take... Back in like boys' locker rooms, you see those rat tails where you make a towel damp and then you squeeze it out, you know what I mean? To get the water out and then whatever. But anyway, even that, like where you squeeze something out of something. So this idea of like squeezing, this idea of it, you know, of not being, there's not much liquid left in this thing, in this fruit. There's not much time left in your day. There's not much time left in your night. Every single individual human being is drowning in loss. Where am I getting the word drowning from? It's the fee. La fee khusr. 
They're in loss. Fi can mean a lot of different things. In this case, it's as if you are surrounded by it. You're surrounded by it. And also two important words here used, inna al-insana la fi khusr. These two words, the inna and the lam, are used when someone doesn't believe you. It's as if Allah is speaking to you and like your default is like, I'm fine. And well, is that not the case by the, think about like literally your own family, your own coworkers. Think about your teachers, think about your, your fellow students. They're just going, they ever like stop and just stare at them, kind of go through their day? Like, like I know, so I used to work with someone who was deeply obsessed with their job, deeply. If they're awake, they're working. And I'm like, man, that's going to be your life? They don't even realize it. And because they don't realize it, because they don't wake up to this reality, Allah emphasizes this is certainly the case. Believe it or not. Inna is, is really hard to translate. Like Ustad Naman sometimes he'll say, Inna is like when you want to grab someone and shake them. It's not just a word. It's like something you say out of like sometimes even frustration. Like, dude, you're not hearing me. It's like in that, you know, uh, yeah, okay. I'm telling you, man, you're not getting it. Like when you're trying to get someone something through someone's thick head, use the word inna. And this is something, by the way, we're talking about, let's talk about the oath now, because Allah swore by time and he said, I swear by time, you're all in loss. We talked about oaths a little bit last time, right? Then what was the oath that we talked about last time we met? Who remembers? You guys hurt my feelings sometimes, dude. We talked about Allah swearing by the stars. And when he swore by the stars, he used that oath. We're not going to go into it now, but you should be a refresher for the ones that were actually here, alhamdulillah. Allah swore by the placement of the stars to prove the point that Quran is basically a big deal. And we're not going to get into that now. That's a mystery that you have to now resolve for yourself. But those that you were here that need that refresher, sometimes what Allah does is he swears by stuff so, and that thing that he swore by is somehow connected to the point he's trying to make. Does that make sense? So Allah could have just said from the surah, from the beginning, He didn't need walasir. You don't need that. But he adds this oath. Allah does not add anything by accident or, 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 or willy-nilly. He swore by this thing, time. And what, how does swearing work? Swearing works, I mean, we take oaths all the time. Like, I swear, man. We use this all the time. This is not like foreign language to us or ancient language. We swear all the time. Not swear cursing, by the way. When you swear by stuff like wallahi. We ought to have been here, you know, like you use wallahi literally over everything. Wallahi, I'm thirsty. Like everything's wallahi, right? The smallest little things. Wallahi, I'm sitting down, dude. Like everything's wallahi. But Allah swears very purposefully. In fact, I would go as far as say, when you're reading Quran on your own, if Allah swears by something, you need to stop and think about this. And especially towards the end of the book, He swears by a bunch of stuff. And again, the, uh, the, the basic premise is the thing he's swearing by, what's he, what's he swearing by here, by the way? You can, what's he swearing by here in the surah? Time, time that's running out. The thing that he's swearing by is necessarily connected to the thing he's swearing about. Does that make sense? So what's he swearing by, everybody? Time. What's he swearing about? What's his point? You're in loss. These two things now are supposed to be connected. Now, what are some other implications of swearing? Could be anger. I swear to God, dude, if you do that one more time. Yeah, it could be anger, like you're angry at somebody. It could be that you're not believed. 
You know, like we had to start five minutes late because most of you guys are very late. Why are you late? Traffic. Yeah, okay. No, I swear. Traffic. I swear. I slipped on the ice. I swear. My dog's pregnant. I swear to God. You know what I mean? You bring up these, la these lame excuses and you swear by it because the person you're talking to doesn't believe you. And that's so uh, relevant here. People, the average human being does not even think about their life. They don't stop to reflect about anything. So Allah has to go out of his way. I don't think you believe your situation here. I don't think you understand where you're at. Walasid, I swear you're lost. You understand? That's a very powerful implication. And then also testifying. Like we swear in court, right? Like when something is super serious, we'll swear. Like you ever been in court before? I was in court once. I, yet I had to swear first before I started speaking. I swear to tell the whole truth, whatever, nothing but the, whatever it was. I forgot, forgot how to say it. I think I messed up when I said it too. But whatever, right? Like you swear in court. Now, Quran does two extra kind of things with oaths that aren't typically done. Not even in the Arabs back in the day. The two things that are really, really interesting. Number one is Allah is calling by this thing he's swearing by as a witness to the thing he's talking about. This is really actually, it's almost kind of sad when you think about this. So Allah is saying this grand announcement, like imagine literally right now, imagine we're in a courtroom and Allah is the judge and he's trying to pass a verdict. He's trying to get down to business. What is the reality of this, of this proceeding right now? And he calls to the, uh, to the witness stand. Who's the witness in the surah? Time. Imagine time. You ever hear the, the phrase father time? As if time is this old old, decrepit man. And he walks in the courtroom on his crane, or cane, crane, on his cane, and he steps in the witness stand. And Allah asks him, you've been watching them for quite a while. What do you think about them? And all Asid has to say, this man named Asid, they're just, they're, they ne they, they're so lost. They never figured it out. That's sad. And really, when you think about this, you can think about this in many different ways. The one way you can think about it is you think about all these nations in like the past, whatever, how many thousands of years, at least we've been on this earth as humanity. Yeah. All this time we've been all these nations doing nothing but killing each other and enslaving people and rape and murder and in the name of country, in the name of my tribe, in the name of you hit my dogs and I must kill your mother or something stupid, like all these stupid things humanity has been focused on, man, in the insan that fi khusr. And the other way is a more individualistic approach too. Every single, sometimes we, you never hear the phrase, this is I think the dumbest argument I hear so often. It's 2024, man. You ever hear that? Like they'll use this as like an argument for whatever thing they want to say is morally okay. They'll be like, dude, it's 2024. I swear to God, it's such a stupid thing because I bet there are people in like 1352, like it's 1352, man. You know what I mean? Everyone uses this argument. You know why everyone uses it? Because everyone's been young before. Every Whether you're born here or you're born back when they use horses to get around or bulls to get around or something, people were young men and young women. Everyone has the same problems that you have. You just have a phone on top of it. There's no difference otherwise. They, you park your car, they park their camel. Other than that, it's the same thing. The same hormones, the same things you want, they wanted. The same things you killed for, they kill for. 
the same things you aspire to, to status, to money, to marry the person you want, to be the person you want, to wear the things that you want, to get the money you want. They wanted the same things. You're no different. 2024 does not make that different. Every single young man, every single young woman, they all want the same thing. They never wake up to think beyond the things that they want in life. Think about what you're, like really think about right now. What are you doing right now in life? Maybe you're studying for something. Maybe you're working. Maybe you're looking for a spouse. But at the end of the day, what, are you, what is everyone in this room doing? You're trying to collect stuff. At the end of the day, that's all it is. The in common thing, whether you're studying to be a doctor right now, or you're studying to be a therapist, or you're trying to get married, or you're trying to make money off the stock market, or you're trying to start a business, you're just trying to collect stuff, dude. You're looking for a house. You're just trying to collect stuff. That's what we all have in common. And you put this old man on the stand, all they wanted to do was collect stuff. They didn't do anything else. So time is being a witness here when Allah says, وَالْعَصِرِ And the last thing, the scary thing, is the thing that Allah is swearing by is evidence for what He's about to say. Meaning, the evidence that you're lost is how you spend your what? Time. You know the scariest apps? The scariest app on your phone, you know what it is? Screen time. You know what screen time? You guys know screen time, yeah? I hate them for putting this on our phones, dude. Because <laughs> I think it's new. Like it wasn't in my face before, now it's in my face. I'm like, I don't want to know this. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to know how much time I waste on my phone. It's like, we literally, it's to the point, we don't want to, we don't want to look at it. We don't want to look at this app. We turn off the setting like, nah, don't record me. I don't want to know how much time I spend on Twitter. I don't want to know. Like I literally, you know, like how you, nowadays you can actually put like a, um, a limit, right? So I put a 30 minute limit on X and then it's like, eh, remind me in 15. Eh, remind me in 15. You know what I mean? It's scary, man. And this is not just phones, like every device. Your game console will, will record how much time you spent. You ever finish like a, like if you, whatever, finish a video game, you'll go back and be like, oh, your playtime is X amount of hours. You're like, that's not good. <laughs> That's not good. I'm not going to think about that. You know, Netflix history. It goes back and shows you every single thing you watch. I watched five movies last Friday, <laughs> like in one day. That's a true story, unfortunately. <laughs> like, but these things record the time that you spend and we don't even want to look at it because it's evidence against us. Like we keep claiming, man, I don't got time. I don't know. Like I once was told by somebody, I don't pray because it's just a lot of time. How much time? Didn't you watch like six movies last week? Didn't you? What did you do last week? How, like, where do you spend your time? So time is being used as evidence against the fact that we are lost. Meaning we're lost because of how we spend our time. That's the first lesson in the surah. Is it's demanding you to think, how are you using your time? And by the way, again, not just time, but time that's what? And Asid, what is that again? Running out. How long do you think you have? How long do you think you have? If you haven't been to a, I'm probably, you probably heard this before, but it's, it's worth repeating. If you have not been to a graveyard recently, you need to go visit. This is not just Islamic advice, this is human advice. You need to go visit a graveyard like now. And the reason I say this is because you'll walk through those graves. You'll walk between those headstones and you'll sometimes see born 1990, died 1955, Born 2000, died 2017, born 2024, died 2024. You've seen these headstones before if you visited? 
Like some people literally only had a year, 10 years, 15 years. Yesterday, I swear to God, literally yesterday, as if like Allah is giving me to see it in my life. This happens, by the way, where if you're trying to understand, because I started, when did I start doing this? A couple of days back, where I started reacquainting myself with Asa to present it to you guys. And I swear, Allah, sometimes when you really like, you're trying to understand what Allah is saying, He'll just force you into situations where it's like, oh, Al-Asid, I get it now. So yesterday, we prayed Jummah at Payless, and we... My, if you park at Payless, you're just hopeless. Just wait the hour. Uh, Payless is awesome. Parking lot's not awesome. Yeah. So my wife and I are just like, you know what, dude, just, we'll just wait. Like, we're not getting out of here. We parked on the side, you know. And then I'm sitting there after Salah's over, and then they're like, hey, we're going to play Janazah for a four-month-old. And I'm like, man, that's sad, a four-month-old. Like, may Allah help that family. Yeah. And then they brought out, I swear to God, they brought out a box. This was, re- this was really weird. I was so confused. My wife had to explain to me afterwards, after Salah was done. They brought out a box literally this big. Like, it was like a plastic. Do we have anything? It's like, a, like, literally, you use it to hold, like, knickknack. Your mom used it to hold knickknacks in. You know what I mean? It's like this small box with a green, a plastic box, green lid, with white cloth in it. Can you picture this? It's like, he's literally holding it like this. It's like lit- almost the size of this paper. He's holding it like this. You know, in Janazah, when you, someone dies, you put the body in front. The, the person leading Salah puts the body. You guys have prayed Janazah before, I'm sure. Like you say Allah before times, yeah? You don't do sujood. So he, he brought out this thing and he put it in front of the guy leading Salah. And I'm like, what in the world is that? Because in my mind, who died? A four-month-old. It was a four-month-old uh, fetus. In Islam, we believe you get the ruh at how many days in? 40 days, Yeah. So 40 days in, this became a person in Allah's eyes. Four months old. He was in that, she was in that box. And I was so confused, like, what are we, what is that? Who is that? Is that, you know what I mean? And it wasn't until afterwards I, I realized what it was. If you and I think we're guaranteed any amount of time in the insan and the chosid, we're lost. That is the dumbest Assumption. Umar al Khattab went as far as to say that the, if you want a good sign of your intelligence as a human being, not even Muslim, if you want a good sign of your intelligence as a human being, how often do you think about death? Bleak so far, yes? Not good news. Imagine he stopped here. There's, this is like, it feels hopeless so far, yes? I will call out just a couple of specks of hopes here. The word loss here, khusr, it could have been khusran, it could have been khasara. There's a bunch of different variations and Allah actually uses those words too, at least khasar and khusran, I believe he uses both of them. But the least amount of loss is actually, alhamdulillah, the word he uses here, khusr. Meaning every human being is in some amount of loss. Meaning it's hopeful, Yeah. Now, thank God for this last ayah. Because Allah is saying, every single individual human being, you're a loser. Illa, except, and now you and I, our ears should perk up. Like, okay, who? Who is it? Is it me? You know? Illa. Like, can you imagine, like, uh, like my, I think my dad used to do this. When, and I had four, I had three, three younger brothers. So we used to get in trouble a lot. My mom's an audience. We used to get in trouble a lot. We used to mess up a lot. So my dad, imagine my dad steps in the room. He's like, all of you are in trouble. And we're like, and imagine we have no idea what's going on. Except, and then you pray it's you. 
Except Shadi. Thank you. And I run away. <laughs> Your ears should perk up. Except who, Ya Allah? Except who? And then Allah names four, not groups of people. This is all one group, by the way. I want to make that very clear. And I'm actually going to call this out right now. Not to get too, te- too technical. I'm going to call this out right now. If Allah said, He did not say this. Then you can argue If you do one of these four things you're good The ones who believed And the ones who did good deeds And the ones who invited to truth And the ones who invited patiently Then you can say I can pick my favorite This belief stuff Eh I can volunteer sometimes though I could be one of those No This is not a choice that you have. If you want to not fail, if you want to not drown in loss, you need to do all of these four things. So right now, the question you and I should have in my head is, am I missing any of these four things? You understand the problem we have right now together? And again, this is together because I'm involved now too. Remember when I told you that this gives you a lifetime to think about? That's because these four things, you need to constantly remind yourself, am I doing any of these wrong? Am I missing one of these? My weak in one of these And sometimes you get strong on one of them And then you get weak again Tomorrow By the way Oh man I forgot to mention this Al-insan The word Allah uses for human being Is so pointed Al-insan Comes from nisyan What does nisyan mean? Like nasit What does that mean? I forgot Nasit I forgot Insan The word for human being Like I translate this as mankind What do I do? Humanity, mankind, whatever Or in al-insan, every individual human being But insan, the root of the word Nasaya We know what nasaya means Even Arab, like nasit We use this word all the time I forgot Nisyan The forgetful human being The human being who at his core identity What does he do? He forgets all the time And wallahi, this is so true Like I'm telling you I've learned the surah multiple times over And I literally, when I was redoing it I'm like, oh man, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot these four things. I told, so alhamdulillah, I'm grateful for you guys because I'm getting reminded too, yeah? That I have to get ready with this stuff. But you're going to learn these four things and as soon as the thought ends, you're like, what was the third one? You know what I mean? That, like, that's what you do. You forget all the time. It's enough of reality that you believe in Allah, you believe in heaven and hell. And I hope everyone in the room believes in heaven and hell. And even that you forget about, Right? Like what a major thing to forget about. Even before that, the fact that you have a Rabb, that you have a master, that you have someone watching over you, the fact that you can even forget that for a second is proof enough that you're insane. More like insane, am I right? <laughs> oh my God, I'm so funny. But you're forgetful. Thank you for the three of you. Guys, that was rude. Al-insan al the human being, the forgetful, this forgetful thing is just lost, man. It keeps forgetting. And that's the beauty of Quran. You can shut it off if you want, if it's bothering people. It's good. Don't get distracted. I know it's super interesting, guys. Just relax. Yeah. Um, so, and suddenly, if you where was I? So, illa, except the group of people who do how many things, everybody? Four things. I need you to memorize these four things. By the way, from now on, if I ask you to memorize a passage, I'm telling you, for, um, you don't have to to come here. You don't. Like, I'm not going to check you at the door. Do you memorize? And, no. But I'm telling you, you know how we're in sin and we forget? When you memorize the surah, even if you forget, you'll just recite it again. And you're like, oh, 
That's why Quran is so amazing because you'll forget some pretty profound things and then you recite it again, even by accident during Salah. And you're like, oh my God, I forgot about thing number two. Oh, I didn't do thing number four. You understand? Quran in its nature is a reminder. Yeah. So what are these four things? The first thing, people who believe. I'm going to quiz you on this, so pay attention. Yeah. The first thing, people who believe. The second thing this group does, they do good deeds. This is like cursory, uh, cursory, uh, whatever. Cursory, not cursory. Cursory translations. We'll go into the deep dive in a little bit. Yeah. So number one, people who believe. Number two, people who do good deeds. Number three, people who invite other people to do good or invite other people to truth. Sorry, who invite other people to truth. And the fourth thing, who invite other people patiently. What's thing number one? What's the first thing you do? Believe. The second thing you do. What's the first thing? No one's doing it. First thing. Second thing, do good deeds. Third thing, invite others to truth. The fourth thing, invite others with patience. These are the four things that you do. Let's talk about these four things. The first one, This is scary. It seems like the most straightforward of the four, but I'm going to call out two things that kind of further complicate this. Number one, the surah's main theme is urgency. Urgency. It's an emergency. You're drowning. When you're drowning, you don't have time to think about, I wonder if I want to swim up. No, you're going to swim. You're going to swim. It's an emergency. Al-Asr, you understand? So what this is calling attention to right now, maybe for the rest of the world, the way they believe in their religion, the way they believe in their creed, the way they believe in their philosophy, whether it's Christianity, Judaism, liberalism, atheism, whatever, maybe it's passive, maybe for them. Maybe for them it's passive. You guys know what I mean by passive, right? Like, oh yeah, I believe, but you know, sometimes I go to the whatever synagogue or the church on whatever, but not always. Sometimes I pray, whatever. It doesn't matter. If you don't pray, it's cool. You know, like it's just, it's cool. Everything's cool. Everything's open game. We do not believe that. And we get criticism for this, by the way, online. Like, man, Muslims are really serious. Uh, yeah, we're running out of time. <laughs> what do you mean you take this too seriously? Of course I take it seriously. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You understand? Like even for example, I don't want to go too much into this, but even our understanding of like things like heaven and hell, you know, like in other books, like in the Torah and the, in the Bible, in the Torah, hell isn't even mentioned. Can you believe that? Like how they changed their book that much, they, they took out hell. Like that's insane that they changed their book that much. And the Bible, the, the, the New Testament, the way that it describes hell is very like, it, there's bad, you know, it's tough, but the way the Quran describes it is like second to none. It's gruesome. It's not, it's like PG-13, if not more. We have to be honest about it. It's serious. And that's a blessing, but that's actually a mercy from Allah that that's the case. Can you imagine you had no idea? That's not merciful. That is not merciful if Allah did not tell us in detail. The mercy is that he told us. And that by itself should like really light a fire under us, no pun intended, but really light a fire under us. Like, no, this is not casual. I do not believe casually. No. The three, there's two ways that you can think of Aminu right now because what's really beautiful about the ayah, it doesn't go into believe in what, does it? Like you would expect Aminu bishayin. They believe in fill in the blank, right? But no, it's just they believe. So then you and I are wondering, like, believe in what? What do you mean? What do I have to believe in? 
there's two major ways you can think of this. Number one is the obvious way. What do you think he means believe? Believe in what? Believe in Allah. Believe in him. Believe in afterlife. Believe. There's three main things with belief. Belief in Allah. Belief in the message. And the message includes the messenger and the message itself and the angels even that bring the message. Yeah. So number one, Allah. Number two, the message. And number three, afterlife. In none of these three things do we believe passively. Even think about Quran itself. We literally have to believe like fanatically. This is the word of Allah. Unchanged. No one can change my mind. There are people on Twitter whose literal job is to change your mind. Do you know this? There are people that are paid non-Muslims, paid ex-Muslims, I'll put it on their Twitter bio, Twitter bio, that's all they talk about. For people that leave Islam, they talk a lot about Islam. It's because they literally, that's their career now. There are things in the world that want to drag you out of this thing. And I'm convinced it's because they see the power in it. Because for everyone else, for every, with all due respect to other faiths, other faiths, you know, you can, even if you believe wholeheartedly that's the case, it doesn't really, it doesn't bring a sense of urgency, does it? It doesn't bring much difference to you whether or not you believe in it or not. For us, no, 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 no. I believe and I'm not stepping away from this and everything else is wrong. Literally, that's, how, that's our attitude towards it. We are not passive. We are not like, oh yeah, I believe, but other people could be right too. Nope, we don't believe that. We believe with urgency. We believe in Allah with urgency. We believe in Quran with urgency. We believe in hell with urgency because in San, I have to deal with that myself. Even if my friends try to drag me away, I have to deal with that myself. You understand? That's the first way to think of Alidin Amanu. But the thing I'll call you to is this, especially with Ramadan coming, yeah? Do you believe like that? Ask yourself. You know, one time, like FNL, you know, guys, not FNL. There used to be FNL in Bridgeview. No, there is, sorry. I think there is still FNL in Bridgeview. That was like one of the first ones in the area. And I did not attend this lecture, but it still changed my life. Where one, I think it was Sheikh Jamal's daughter, he used to be part of the Miller Order. So she was on the team and she asked the crowd, people younger than you, younger than us, they're teenagers, when did you convert? And these are all like Palestinian Muslim Arab, you know, like they all believe they're not, no one in there is a convert, no one in there is non-Muslim, whatever. She asked the crowd, when did you convert? And everyone's like, what do you mean? And some smart aleck was like, oh, when I was born. You know, when I first started praying, whatever. She's like, no, you don't get it. And they kept trying to answer the question, no, you don't get it. When did you convert? Meaning, when did you really know? You understand the question? When did you really know? I think you told me this actually, Ayub. I'm pretty sure you told me this because I wasn't there. Because I literally never forgot this. This was like 15 years ago I learned this. I just, it always stuck in my head. FNL, by the way, a lot of measured programs are the philosophy stuck in this question. As it should be. Why are you Muslim? When did you convert? Big question. Do you have the answer for that? Do I have the answer for that? You have to be honest with yourself. Am I at the point where I believe in this and nothing's going to shake me? You could torture me, I won't leave. Donald Trump could be president threatening to kick me out of the country. I don't care. I don't care what you do. Like the people of Gaza, drop bombs on me. See what, see what happens. Drop bombs. I won't budge. I believe with urgency. Are you at this point? There's two things that can get in the way of be, believing at to that degree. To that degree. I remind you before I continue. These are, you know how like Allah, we talked about Allah is basically telling us that we're all failing. 
This is about like getting a D in class. This is not doing super well. This is just not failing, you understand? And to not fail, the first thing is to be convinced, not just believe, but to be convinced. You understand the difference? Be convinced this is the truth. There are two things that could get in the way of that. Number one, intellectually, maybe there's things in the way of that for you. And that's fine. Maybe there's things that really confuse you. Why does Quran say this? Why did the Prophet do that? What do we believe about this? Someone told me this. You understand? There's things that you need to get ready, things you need to answer. Go get those questions answered. You don't have time. Walasid, you don't have time. Get them answered. If there's something you're confused about, if there's something you're not convinced of, like, by the way, this is why, what did we start with with Tanzil, with me? What did we start with? Who, remember, who was here since the beginning? What did we start with? And yeah, we talked about miracles of Quran, right? Because that's the first thing. Do you really believe this is the word of Allah? Do you really believe that? That Allah spoke and it became this thing? Do you really believe that? That's why we spent the first, what, four sessions talking about this in detail. Like, I want to challenge you. Do you really get it? Do you get why we, like, how amazing this thing is? And everyone needs to do their own journey. Well, I is like, I'm not calling for you to feel bad that you're not at that level. I'm not calling for that at all. But you need to ask yourself, is something in my way intellectually that I need to get my questions answered? We have amazing resources, guys. Even if we don't, if we, you have YouTube. These questions are literally on YouTube. There's debates about the questions that you have. Are we right? And how do we know Quran is this? And how do we know the Prophet was the last messenger? And blah, blah, blah. Like, go learn, go study. Go learn, start that journey on your own. The first thing that gets in the way, again, intellectual stuff, yeah? Stuff that you have to think about. The second thing, a bit more complicated, that can get in the way, is your desires. Meaning, I don't want to believe because if I believe, this thing is going to ask me to get rid of stuff that I really want to do. It's going to ask me to do things I don't want to do. And is that not the case, by the way? Yeah, it's definitely the case. Like We have to be very honest about our deen. Allah asks stuff of us that is not fun to do sometimes. Allah asks us to not do things that are very easy and fun to do. And we're in America 2020, 2024, dude, we can do literally whatever we want, especially when you hit the age of like 20, parental supervision goes down by a lot. You know, even beyond, even before that, I mean, it doesn't matter, you know? Like what is like the average age for like even exposure to pornography is literally nine years old. It's, it's too easy to do whatever you want. You understand? And these things, it gets to the point, they become so attached to your heart. All these things that Allah calls haram, whether it's alcohol or zina or gambling or whatever this thing, these things can be so, they're, they're all addictive by the way, literally all of them. They're very addictive things. The major sins are very addictive things. Zina is addictive. I actually, someone on Twitter uh, is a Christian man who converted, decent guy. He was asked of all the addictions, because he was addicted to drugs and alcohol and he was addicted to a bunch of different things. And he's like, he was asked, what of the things, that, of the addictions you had to get rid of before you became a Christian, what was the hardest one? He's like, Zina. Sex was the hardest thing to not be addicted to anymore. Because that's like habitual. That's like a very difficult thing. So we have addictions now. And by the way, even like, let's not even talk about the big stuff, which may, if, may Allah help me and help you if we're, if we're struggling with that. Because really, and Allah helps, by the way, yeah? When those things are entwined in your heart and you really, for the sake of Allah, want to get rid of it, Allah will make it so easy for you. Really, He'll make it so easy for you. Yeah? 
But sometimes it's not even like major sins. It's like video games, movies, TV, wasting time. Those can be addictions too. And those things also can get in the way of your deen. Like, man, I don't want to pray. I just want to spend my time on YouTube. That sounds ridiculous, but that really actually becomes an attitude. Yeah. So the two things that get in the way of true belief, like belief, yeah, are the intellectual questions, which get those answered. And the second thing is things of the nafs, your desires. Okay. Now, I told you that there are two main ways to think of this phrase, illa ladina amanu. This, I love this. The first way is like the tra- tra- traditional, excuse me, belief in Allah, belief in the books, belief in the messengers, belief in the afterlife, to the end of it, yeah? But because Allah didn't spell that out, with the context of the surah, like if you ignore all the other data of like belief in Allah, what does he want you to believe in the surah? Or that you're in? Loss and that waste of time. Those two things are connected. You better believe that you're in loss. Meaning everyone's in loss except for the ones that believe in their own loss. You understand? Like you and I need to really sweat at this. Like, I'm in trouble. If I don't if I don't get my act together, I'm in trouble. People who believe in parentheses that they are in fact losing. Does that make sense? So you don't have to go far into like, how do we interpret this? No, Allah says himself. Everyone's a lot except for the ones who believe that they're in loss. They're saved. You understand? That's number one. What was number two? The second thing. I'm going to take this away. What's the second thing? Didn't work. <laughs> Get out of here. This one's out of battery. You guys are lucky. What's the second thing? That doesn't help my case at all, Allah. <laughs> Where do I have to point? Oh, I have to point towards the laptop. Dude, just help. I mean, can you just press left? Yeah, go back. Go back one. These guys are cheaters. I don't trust them. Thank you. Useless. What's the second thing? The first one was what again? You have to believe. What's the second thing this group of people does? They do good deeds. Let's talk about وَعَمِلُ salihat. Do good deeds is actually a very cheap translation. A salih, like whose name Salih in here? Anyone named Salah? No? You know Salah? Anyone know Salah in here? I know Salah. Okay. Salah or Salah, Salaha is actually to fix something that was otherwise broken. Yeah? Like this thing is busted. If I spent the time right now to fix it, I would be a what? A Salah. That's, that, would, that would be what that means. I'm not going to do that, so I'm not a Salah right now. But that's what Salah is. Salaha shay, he fixed it. He fixed something. If you did Salah something, you fixed it. So these are people that number one, they believed, and number two, they did things that fix their situation. They did things that fix their situation. They did sulh in their life. And by the way, because the surah started with insan, in that insan, every individual human being, well, the way we can think about this now is, they did things to rectify their own lives in little ways. Sulh, they did sulh. What does that even mean? That means your relationship with your dad is not great. You fix it. You do at least something to get that rectified. Your relationship with your spouse is not good. You do some things to get that rectified. You haven't called your uncle in months. You do things to get that rectified. You you build those bridges again. You understand? There's things in your life that need fixing. Maybe right now you're struggling with fajr if you're trying to do fajr and you can't wake up. You know why you can't wake up? Because you sleep at three in the morning. Sleep early. That's sulh. You're fixing your situation. Does that make sense? That's a hard one, by the way. I don't mean to say that like lightly. That's a tough one. Especially nowadays where like you spend 
literally hours at night in bed on your phone. It becomes a, 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 a cynical circle, right? Because you can't sleep because of the blue light and because you're tired, you spend time on your phone. You know what I mean? Put it down, go to sleep early. Yeah? Maybe you curse, you, you say foul language too much. You, you lessen that a little bit. The first and foremost thing, maybe you don't pray, you start with your salah. I said I made a point yesterday that sounded crazy. Some of you laughed at it, but it's very, very true. If you're a drug dealer, pray before you do the deals. I 100% agree. It sounds stupid. But when Allah says things like Aminu Salihat, they do the, the things expected. They do the things that correct. The things that correct are first and foremost the things that he says are good. And the number one thing he says is good is what? Your salah. How is your salah right now? They do the good things. They do the things that fix. Salah is supposed to rectify you. Yeah? By the way, Salihat is really cool. They do the good deeds. You notice how it's plural? They do good deeds. Salihat, if this word was, we would be in a lot of trouble. Just if he took away that alif, the at. If it's Salihat, like that, we would be in a lot of trouble. Because that would mean they do the numerous things that they have to do, this long laundry list of things that they need to do to fix your situation. Allah did not say salihah. He said salihat, which means they do the few things I told them to do. It's not even a lot of stuff. You understand? Salihat literally grammatically could be pinned between three and nine things. Like just, just do the few things. You know the few things in your life you have to do. You know those things. I know those things. You know the few things Allah asks you to do. You can even think back to like the five pillars by it, for example, right? Because that fits in here too. Where you, you know, you pray, you give charity, you fast on Ramadan, right? Like those things that, have, that come up in your life. These few things, meaning Allah is not asking a lot from you at all. Allah is not asking a lot from you at all. You know, on the day of judgment, there will be people, disbelievers, like staunch, staunch disbelievers, that they will be presented hell and they will be asked, if you were given the world and everything in it in wealth to free yourself from this thing you're looking at, the thing that you used to deny, you used to make fun of, by the way, you used to make fun of hell. You used to dress up like devils on Halloween. You used to laugh at those cartoons that made fun of hell. The video games you played were someone going into hell and coming out. You used to laugh at this. This was entertainment to you. How funny is it now? If you were given the wealth of the world and everything in it 10 times over, would you give that to me to free yourself from this? What do you think that man would say? Obviously. And Allah will tell him, I asked you for much less than that. Much less. They do just the few things, man. The few things. It's not, it doesn't take a lot of time to do these few things. You understand here? What was thing number one? The people who believe. Thing number two, they do the few corrective things. I'm going to go a little bit more deep in the English now. They do just the few, dude, the few corrective things. Remember, Sada to correct stuff, yeah? The few corrective, they corrected themselves. Even if they tried a little bit, they tried. Yeah? They didn't do crazy stuff. They didn't donate their wealth, all their wealth. They didn't spend all night in the masjid. By the way, I want to make this very clear because sometimes like, I, I don't want this to come across as totally bleak because in our religion, we have a lot of hope, Allah. Maybe you like to play video games. Maybe you like to play basketball. Maybe you like being on your phone. Maybe you like eating good food. You can do all of these things, dude. All of these things. 
Allah's not asking for you to just abandon all worldly life and go and do nothing but pray. No. Get married. Have fun with your with your spouse. Go on vacation. Play video games. Play sports. Do whatever you want to do. But don't forget the few things. If you live your whole life just a regular person and you do the few things expected, you're good. And you can do whatever you want with your free time outside of haram. Anything you want. And I remind you, living in our country, sometimes it feels like everything's haram. I, it really, it's not. You can have a great life avoiding alcohol. You can have a great life avoiding zina. A great life. A great life. You understand? You don't have to give up the, the worldly life completely to be a good believer, to even pass this test of being in this group. You don't have to do that. But just watch how you're spending your time. You understand? Do the few things expected of you. So one more thing, or sorry, one more uh, 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 review. Number one was what again? They believe. Number two, do the few th- corrective things. Number three, So you believed. You felt it in your heart. And this thing in your heart drove you to actually do things. Because sometimes we say things about our- ourselves that end up not being true. And the proof that it's not true is we don't act on them. You tell your friend, oh, I miss you so much. But you never call them. You never hang out. You tell your mom, oh, I love you. But you don't even call her. You don't help her out. You understand? You say some things in your heart, but you don't do anything about it. So these people, they had iman in their heart. They believed. And then it drove them to do a salihat. They did good things. And now that they're themselves doing the things that are correcting their life, and they're seeing the benefit of it correcting their life, now they're looking around them at their, at their mother, their father, their brothers, their cousins, their friends. And they're like, man, I got to get everyone else to do this with me. Their lives would be so much better if they believed that they were lost like me. You understand? What the wasobil haq, Allah says a step number three. You can think of these as actually as four steps, right? What the wasobil haq, and then they enjoin, they invite each other to the truth. Meaning you go to your brother, you go to your friends, and you start giving them good advice. I'm worried about you. I don't see you praying anymore. I'm worried about you. Why don't you believe? I'm worried about you the way that you spend your time. By the way, tawasa is such a beautiful word here. There's so many words for the word advice. Al-wasaya, I think it's wasaya, but tawasi actually at least, because here the word is tawasi, tawasa bil-haq. Tawasa is not just advice, because advice could be like, so uh, you gained weight, huh? Like <laughs> that's, that's mean advice, but it's advice, technically. There's mean advice, there's advice that you're like, dude, just stay away from me, you know? But tawasa is advice that literally comes from the heart and goes into the heart, meaning if it doesn't hit the heart, it's not tawasa. Which means you need to have a good relationship with the people around you before you start giving what? Start giving advice. Before you give your spouse advice, is your relationship with your spouse okay? Before you give relationship to your father, have you called him recently? Before you give uh, advice to your brothers, do you, have you even hung out with them recently? You understand? It's like, literally, by the way, it come, it's uh, even used for someone writing a will. The same word is used. Like they leave money to people that they what? That they love. It's as if Allah is saying they leave behind advice to people that they love because they love them. There's love in this. You understand? They lovingly give advice to the people they care about. And this, by the way, does not mean you go in Chicago, step on a soapbox and be like, people, I warn you of a day. That's not what this is. That could that actually could be like that, which well, the props to them. Those people are amazing. Good for them. But actually, who do you think you and I should start with? Our family, the people that we love, the people that we're close with, those people you start with, those are your responsibility. 
before anybody else. Like, you know, I was talking to someone and I was kind of like going through this and they're like, oh, well, you're lucky because you do Tawas al-Haq because you, t- you, you teach at the masjid. Uh, if you think for a second that this, this being up here with the microphone takes care of this for me, you're deluded. Because let's say, for example, I teach here every day to people I barely know. I like you guys, but I, I barely know any of you, yeah? To people I barely know. And I don't remind my wife. And I don't lovingly remind my brother. And I don't lovingly remind my sisters. And I don't lovingly remind my, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my whatever, fill in the my best friends. Do you think I'm doing this? No. This does not, I mean, this is part of it, obviously, but this is like cheese, the meat, the cheese of the burger, the meat are the people close to me, you understand? The ones close to me, tawassu bil haq. They invite with truth. By the way, bil haq can also mean they invite sincerely. Sincerely. I really care about you, man. Meaning you really sincerely love them, you care about them, you care about their well-being. You're not, meaning you're not coming at an attitude of like, uh, of like, uh, man, you haven't prayed in years. What's wrong with you? I'm so much better than you. You don't say that, but you really have the air of it sometimes. We have the air of it sometimes. But no, sincere, like, man, I really care about you. I really worry what's going to happen to you if you don't start doing this. I really worry what's going to happen to you unless you start this, unless you stop that. You know? I really sincerely, sincerely I care about you. Yeah? Lovingly I care about you. And the fourth one, same word. And they invite, oh, sorry, before I move on. Tawasa is a very interesting, the form, what's embedded in this word, I won't go into too much of the morphology, but what's embedded in this word is actually, it's a two-way street. Meaning the way you translate this is not, and they invite others to truth. That's actually not a good way to, to summarize this. It's actually, they invite each other to truth. Meaning maybe I'll go to my brother. I'll go to a friend and I'll be like, hey man, I care about you. You should start praying. And maybe they'll respond with, oh yeah, and who are you? You were with me at the party just last week. Don't think I don't know who you are. Have you had responses like this maybe by your family, by your friends? I've had responses like this. Who are you to tell me? And maybe they'll say, well, if you're so holy, maybe you should stop going to parties. And the way that you would want to respond is like, I'm the one giving the advice. (laughs) But no, if you do that, you're not fulfilling this. Because you need to give advice and also what? Take it and shut up and take it. Even if it's like mostly false. I've gotten advice in my life that's mostly false. But there's like 1% that's true. I need to dig through that trash and take out the good advice. I'll do this. You understand? Even if it's given to you in a mean way, you take it because it might be true about you. They invite each other. They give and they take. Because who are you? You're lost like them, dude. You're drowning like they are. You're not special. I'm not special. Do you think this makes me special? No. In fact, let's go to the last one. And they invite each other patiently. And there's so many things to say about this. The number one thing though is, sometimes it's hard to give advice, right? Sometimes you're scared to give advice. Maybe your brother takes out a loan that he shouldn't have taken out. It's really hard to tell him like, hey man, that wasn't, don't take that loan. What are you doing? It's not going to be good for your family. Maybe your sister is like talking to someone that you know she shouldn't be talking to like, and she's your big sister and you respect her or whatever and you know, she's smarter than you or something or whatever. I don't know the situation. 
and you're afraid to walk up to her. No, go and walk up to her. You invite with patience. Sabr means steadfastness. You know, sabr, someday we'll talk about the word sabr. Sabr is literally a word that literally no other language has. Do you know this? Even in Hebrew, this is insane. There was an Israeli guy on the Haaretz, uh, the Haaretz uh, or Israeli media. And he's not like pro-Palestine at all. And he was talking about Gaza, okay? And how like they're being bombed. And literally on the news, they're like, what's wrong with these people? The audacity, wallahi, I get so mad talking about this. But they're on like this newscaster and then this guy's a rabbi. And they're like, we got to keep bombing them. Because that's their attitude right now. Like a lot of Israelis, their attitude is we got to keep going. Like, you know, we, we're only a certain percent done. Astaghfirullah is their attitude. And you know what the rabbi said? You don't get it. They have sabr. We don't even have that word. He literally said this. This is not a thousand. This is literally like this is in December. On, on media. If I find the link, I'll send it to you. You don't get it. They have sabr. We literally in Hebrew don't have a word like this. He's saying. Sabr is like steadfastness. That you get hit and you have sabr. That Allah ties down your heart into something. It's not just patience. It's like something where the worst that can happen, the worst thing can happen to you, and you are like fasabrun jamil. Like Yaqub alayhi salam, he lost his son. He lost his son by the hands of his own other children for years. For years. And then he thinks he lost a second one, like 30 years later, and he goes blind out of sadness. And that's still sabr, by the way. Sometimes sabr even looks like that. Sometimes it even looks like grief. It's hard, I'm going to do it anyway. I saw the man give a funny example. Like let's say, for example, you're walking down the street and these guys have a baseball bat and they're hitting cars with the baseball bat. You know, hooligans. It would take a lot of sabr to go up to them and be like, don't do this. And why do you think it takes a lot of sabr? Maybe you'll be the next target of the bat, right? And you take it anyway. You understand? They invite others patiently, even if it hurts sometimes. And it also means, what to, and they invite with patience, meaning that you're both losing patience. Your friend, you feel like they're losing steam. And you go, come on, man, you're doing good. Keep it up. Like maybe you have a fajr buddy, which you should have, by the way, if you don't have one. And sometimes like they're doing good and sometimes they're not doing so good. And when they're not doing so good, you're like, come on, man, wake up. Come on, you're doing well. He's like, all right, dude, fine, fine. And he wakes up and you understand? You invite others with patience. These are the four things. If we do not do these four things, we drown. What are the four things again? And then I'm going to end with something after we review. We're going to review like two, two, three more times. But what are the four things again? What's the thing number one? They believe, everyone together. The second thing, they do the good deeds with a few corrective things. The third thing, they invite others with truth and they also take advice, yeah? They advise and they, and they take advice. And the fourth thing, they advise with patience, patiently, and they advise others to be patient. They advise themselves to be patient, yeah? I'm going to call out right now. Remember I said this is a summary of the entire Quran. Every single ayah, you can test this for yourself. Test this for yourself. Every single ayah, you can close your eyes, open the book, poke at a random ayah. That ayah will fall under one of these four things. Either it's something to do with increasing your faith or it's a good deed you're supposed to do or it's about inviting others or it's about being patient. That's all of Quran is this. If you have this and you never come to a class of mine again and you never listen to a lecture again and you do these four things, you are saved from Jahannam and anything close to it. That's what you have. 
You have the good news of Jannah And Jannah, I will remind you Just to be clear here Because we talked about Jahannam Now I have to be fair to you Talk about Jannah really quick And then I'm going to end it with one little thing Okay? Hopefully it's little Jannah is not the Jannah you saw on Tom and Jerry You know, it's so funny, Wallahi you know, like on cartoons, and they they like they'll they'll draw heaven and they'll draw hell. You ever see like those old cartoons, or even new cartoons? And then in heaven, who can describe me what's heaven according to these cartoons? Yeah, it's like clouds and a golden gate and someone wearing like the harp, right? And people, everyone has wings for some reason. Like, and you know what's really funny about the cartoons? Like, really think about this, because, like, cartoons are supposed to bring out the imagination of people. You know what I mean? Like, even the animator. This is the best imagination you have of heaven? You know what I mean? Wings and harps and clouds? Like, that's not worth it. The same way that other books, they speak of heaven, and it's not a lot of detail. Dude, the descriptions of heaven in Quran, it is a rager. Well, no, wallahi, it's a party. It's a party. You're dressed. You're not even dressed up. You are dressed with good clothes. Like someone comes to serve and like, "Hello, sir," and they come. You know, like those cartoons where they, where they like, you know, uh, measure your back and they measure whatever, and then you get wrapped up like in like Beauty and the Beast or something. Like that guy that like measures you, the whatever the her in the dress or something. You know, and then there's food going around. Like, excuse me, sir. Excuse me. And, like the the drinks are crinkling or like you know the kink they're they're, they're cracking on on the thing. And they go like, hello, sir, do you, have to, you have to try some of this. You have to try some of this. You literally look at an apple and the tree comes down to you. Not like the creepy Harry Potter tree, but like a cool tree that comes down to you and like gives you exactly what you want. You look at meat and it just gets served exactly the way that you like. You get married. You have children. It's a party. And that's just like the stuff that everyone does, let alone what you do in your personal life in Jannah. It's like, dude, it's all whatever you want. And to earn that, you do these four things. You understand? You do these four things, you get Jannah. This is the good news of Quran. Quran is so hopeful, guys. And even, by the way, you'll mess up with these four things, right? You'll mess up with these four things. Maybe you'll even leave the religion entirely. Maybe you will. I have a friend like that. They left the religion entirely and they came back five years later. Even he will get Jannah. Because it's not about you doing this and never messing up. It's about when you die, you can say, I did these four things. By the way, all of these things, I'll show them to you now. I think I'll show you to that now. Whatever. Can you press right? They're all in the past tense. I translated them as present tense. They do good deeds. They believe. But no, they're all in the past tense. Meaning the correct way to translate this is they're all lost except for the people who believed and did good and invited. In truth, invited with patience. Meaning you are not done until you're in your grave and say, I, was, I did these things. You understand? And again, may Allah make us of these people, inshallah, I mean. So, all past tense. And sometimes you'll be in your life, and like maybe, and for me, I'm not gonna say which ones are difficult, but there are some in here that are difficult. One of these four are very difficult for me. Very, very difficult for me. I know what that is, Allah knows what that is. Yeah? And I have to work on that thing. Maybe Iman is easy, but this other thing is hard. Maybe number two is easy, but number four is hard. For certain people, certain things are difficult, right? Everyone's different. But you need to constantly remind yourself and work to make sure all four lights are on. Like literally imagine it's like four torches and sometimes the fire gets weak. You have to be like, oh no, no, I'm lost. And you relight the torch. And maybe another one starts to flicker and you go and you have to rekindle that light. You understand? And that's your job for the rest of your life is rekindling these four torches. Before we end, I'm going to give you uh, my favorite part of studying surahs, dude. 
and it doesn't really apply because this one's so short, but sometimes what happens when you study a surah is when you're done, you get to kind of like step back and look at the whole thing, how it's built, and it's just so beautiful sometimes. We talked about this a little bit when we talked about um, structure. You guys remember structure? Where like we talked about like ring structure, it's just beautiful. I want to talk to you about the overall message of Asid. And this was like a video that went viral like 10 years ago or something. Maybe you heard it before, but it's okay, I'll remind you. If you haven't heard it before, pay attention. If you want to understand the message of the Surah and really kind of have it even like as a little movie in your mind, here's a good way to, to kind of think about this. I want you to imagine, remember, how did I translate that before? You're drowning in loss. I want you to imagine that you're drowning under the ocean. You're underwater and you're drowning. And you're not just drowning, but you're also asleep. So you're underwater, you're drowning, and you're also unconscious. Can you picture this in your head? If you're underwater and you're drowning, can you breathe? No. Do you have a lot of time? No. Well, Asr, you don't have a lot of time. What's the first thing that you should do if you're both drowning and asleep? Wake up. One time I asked this and someone was like, oh, you have to swim. Are you swim in your sleep? No. The first thing is you have to wake up to the reality. You understand? Before you can even start doing anything, because even if you don't know how to swim, maybe you'll start flapping your arms or something. Before you even start doing that, you're not going to do it in your sleep. You have to first wake up. You understand? Step number one, you have to wake up to a situation. And maybe while you were asleep, you were having an amazing dream, a really nice dream. Would it be a sane person that wakes up and was like, this sucks, I'm going to go back to sleep. Is that person sane? No, that person is crazy. Or that person doesn't want to accept reality. Right? So the first thing you do is you wake up. Remember the people that believed that they were in loss? People that believed that they were drowning? Okay, so let's say that you did that. Step one done. Remember I told you these are steps. Actually, you can't do four before three. You can't do two before one, right? So let's say you did step one. You woke up. Okay, I get it. I'm lost. I'm drowning. This is my situation. What do you then have to do? You have to do anything so you bring your body up. And like I said before, maybe you don't know, even know how to swim. Have you ever actually been in a situation where you don't know how to swim and you were in water? You'll start to like wave a lot. Yeah. And maybe you'll learn that some actions make you go up. And then if I go like this, I go down and you stop doing that and you start going yourself up. Right. And you struggle, but then finally you, <gasps> and you're above the water. What did you just do? You did the, the thing that corrected this. Remember correction. You did the few things that corrected your situation. So the first thing you did was you woke up. The second thing you did was you did the corrective things and you're done, right? Because you're above the water. All of a sudden you're pulled back under the water. And you look down like, what the heck is pulling me? Because you feel something tugging at you. And you look down and you know like those old, you know, like those things that like a chain gang where like they, they have a chain around your ankle and then you look at the other end of the chain and your brother is tied to the other end. And he's asleep and he's drowning. So now if you want to survive, not even for your brother, if you want to survive, what do you have to do? You have to wake him up. Like, dude, wake up. And maybe he wakes up and he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, he, and he's annoying you. Like, wake up and you're shaking him. Right? Like the same language that Allah is using. Wake up. And he doesn't want to stay awake. Can you just be like, ah, screw you. I don't know. Can, can you afford to do that? No. You can't afford to, because why? If he, if he doesn't wake up, what happens to you? You're tied to him. What the wasa bil haq, right? 
It's something you do for each other. You invite others to face reality, to face facts, man. Bilhaq, by the way, is just reality. Haq is reality. Haq is truth. Wake up to your scenario here. Wake up to your reality. And you cannot afford, if he goes back to sleep, to just be like, oh, forget it, because then you'll drown. So you have to be patient. What the bis sabr. And he's like, fine, what do you do? And you teach him exactly what to do, and you both go up, and then you're both pulled back down by your mother, by your friend, by your cousin, by your coworker, by your neighbor. You understand? And the situation keeps on going. Meaning, for this person, for you, not this person, I want to be in the third person, for you and I, if I want to survive this, I need to continuously believe. Because maybe if I'm doing this for a straight up hour, a couple of days, I'm like, dude, I can't do this anymore. I just want to go to sleep. I just want to go back to sleep. And what does going back to sleep mean in the real world? I just don't want to think about this stuff anymore, man. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about God. I don't want to think about what I have to do. I don't want to think about hell. I just want to do what I want. I don't care about anything else. I want to live my life. No. If you want to survive, you need to stay awake. Stay doing corrective things. Stay waking others up and stay patient in doing so. And if you fail in any one of these four things, you understand now there's, a, there's an and, not an or. Yeah, it's not No, the people who believe or do good or no, it's and You need to do all four of these things literally for the rest of your life May Allah help us do this May Allah make Allahumma ja'alna min alladhina amanu wa amilu salihat wa tawasubil haq wa tawasubil sabr May Allah make us of the people who believe and do good deeds and invite others to the truth and invite others patiently What I'm going to do is end it there Oh, before I do actually Man, could you go like two slides forward? What's up with this thing, dude? I want to, just one more, uh, sorry, um, one more. That's so awkward. Okay, so what we talked about so far, guys, in Tanzil is, uh, does at least the red thing work? The... I think no, no, because it's back there, but anyway. So, so far we talked about Quran as a miracle. This is, talks about belief. And even God as Rabb, you see how that ties back to Amanu? I was being sneaky with y'all, that was not random. I wanted to cover that first, you understand? So we cover belief. If you missed that, it's all on YouTube, just Google my name. My name's Shadi, it's nice to meet you. Uh, don't Google Shadi because we get a bunch of Desi stuff, uh, Desi wedding videos, because Shadi in Urdu means, what does Shadi mean again? Shadi? Marriage, right? Wedding, yeah. So don't Google Shadi, Google Shadi Jabani or Orland Park and you'll get it. But I recommend you go back to that. Quran is a miracle. God is a Rabb. What does that mean that Allah is a Rabb? We talked about the power, the status of Quran. Today we actually obviously covered Surah Al-Asid. During Ramadan, typically we don't do weekly together, right? We do like once a month or so, right? But around about like once every three weeks or so. During Ramadan, I have the honor to be with you guys every week. And we're going to be uh, studying Surah Al-Fatihah together. If you can go to the next one. We're going to be going through Surah Al-Fatihah. Surah Al-Fatihah is not an accident that it comes next because this is like... Fatiha is a beautiful introduction to what does it mean to believe, right? So we're going to go over Fatiha in a lot of detail. I originally was thinking we'll try to finish everything in four sessions. I think we'll just start them in these four sessions because there's a lot to say about Fatiha. So we'll start Fatiha in these four sessions and we'll continue after Ramadan is over too. But during Ramadan on these four days, right? On Sunday the 17th, 24th, 31st of uh, March and the 7th of April. On these four days during Ramadan, we're going to be down here, guys. 
Yeah, we're going to be down here at 3 p.m. Two hours before Asr or 3 p.m. And you'll, if you're not in the group, join the Tanzidi group so you get a reminder. And we're going to cover Fatiha just in order. And I'm telling you, Fatiha is, you cannot learn Fatiha and your life isn't changed. Fatiha is beautiful. There's so many things to learn about it. I really hope I can convey some of it to you and show as best as I can.